Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hunger for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground. And Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. It's Monday, February 13th, and this is now on HNN. A United plane makes a steep dive and comes within several hundred feet of the ocean surface. Why details are only coming to light now. Valentine's Day is coming up, and aside from the roses and chocolate, officials want you to be on the lookout for romance scams. Plus, the Kansas City Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions. A look back at the excitement surrounding the big game and Rihanna's halftime performance. These stories and more coming up on This Is Now. Aloha and happy Monday. I'm Dylan Enchetta with Mark Carpenter in the H&N Digital Center. We want to begin today with new details about a terrifying incident on a flight that took off from Maui. Yeah, this was a United Airlines flight that had a very close call over the ocean. And this all happened in December. Casey Lund explains why we're only learning about this now. Good afternoon. We've been in touch with United Airlines as well as the FAA to try and learn more about why this happened. Again, this was a flight back in December 18th, United Flight 1722, taking off from Kahului, Maui uh, to San Francisco. Some of this information has been reported by different aviation industry websites. One of those, Air Current, looked at publicly available information to determine that that aircraft climbed to 2,200 feet before it suddenly fell, and it fell fast at a descent rate of of nearly 8,600 feet per minute. At one point, that plane came within around 800 feet of the ocean. The pilots had to pull up, leading to a climb with forces more than 2.7 times the force of gravity, meaning those passengers certainly felt it. Ultimately, it was able to recover and climb back up to cruising altitude and continue on its way to California. It's unclear exactly how and why this happened, but we do know that it did not trigger automatic reporting to the NTSB and the FAA because that aircraft wasn't damaged and none of the passengers passengers on board or crew were injured during this. However, the FAA does tell us the flight crew reported this incident as part of a voluntary safety reporting program. We're also told the agency reviewed the incident and then took appropriate action, but it's unclear exactly what that entails. United Airlines confirmed to us that the pilots got additional training after this incident and that that training is ongoing. Another interesting part of this story is that this happened the same day as that Hawaiian Airlines flight from Phoenix to Honolulu that experienced severe turbulence that resulted in 25 people being injured, six of them seriously. During that Hawaiian Airlines flight, we saw a lot of the passengers on board post video. We heard about their experiences. What's interesting is that we really haven't seen a lot of that on social media regarding this incident that took place that same day. We are trying to get more information from United Airlines about how and why this happened. We'll continue to keep you updated. You can find the latest at hawaiinewsnow.com. Reporting at the Daniel K. Noy International Airport, I'm Casey Lund. For now, we'll send things back to you. A new TSA checkpoint in Terminal 1 of the Daniel K. Inouye Airport opens next Saturday. 
It'll be four lanes and located on the Makai end of Lobby 3. A blessing for the new checkpoint will be held Friday morning at 9 a.m. The old terminal checkpoint will be decommissioned after the morning shift today. The TSA pre-check area has now been relocated to the future site of the new checkpoint. In news out of New York City, at least eight people are injured after a U-Haul truck hit several pedestrians. Now, this was in a Brooklyn neighborhood. The suspected driver is a 62-year-old homeless man who police say may have been living in the vehicle. Two men hit suffered critical injuries, while two other victims are listed in serious condition. The suspect was reported to be behaving irrationally, telling police he wanted to die. He was taken into custody and transported to a hospital for a psychological evaluation. Well, it's been one week since the absolutely devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, and the tragic details there continue to surface as the death toll also climbs. At last check, it's now over 35,000 people confirmed dead. Our correspondent, I'm Tiaz Tayab, has the latest. The city of Hatay has suffered the worst of the worst. But even with destruction on a scale that's hard to fathom, these men say they won't stop searching. Even after a week, rescue workers say they hope they'll find survivors. But more often than not, they're finding bodies. Like the remains of this mother and daughter, yet more victims of this incomprehensible tragedy. For those left to look for something warm to wear, donated clothing are left in piles on the street. But none of this is a substitute for what the people of Hatay, a once prosperous city, no longer have. It's a tragedy that has turned grief into rage. This man is smashing the logo of a well-known construction company who he blames for shoddy construction work that led to these buildings collapse. So this used to be your home? Yeah, yeah. But for Arif Sinikoglu, he doesn't have time to be angry. As we stand on what used to be his family's home, he says he's too busy looking for loved ones. Uh, we have found our grandmother here yesterday, but we cannot find our grandfather. Incredibly, survivors have to pay out of their own pockets to run and fuel these diggers. You will not stop until you find your grandfather. Yeah, of course. We'll dig with, my, with our hands. The UN has announced that its rescue phase has come to a close and that it will instead start providing things like food, water and shelter, which is small comfort for people like Arif, who desperately cling on to the hopes of finding their loved ones under all this rubble. Impiaz Taib, CBS News, Hatay, Turkey. New details are emerging about the latest unidentified objects shot down by the U.S. military. Over the weekend, the U.S. took down two more objects. One was shot down over northern Alaska and broke into several metallic pieces after hitting the surface. Another object shot down Saturday over Canada's Yukon Territory looks to be a balloon with a metal payload hanging underneath. This comes a week after two more were taken down, including the device believed to be a Chinese spy balloon. Authorities are gathering debris and investigating the origin of objects. And firefighters are battling two brush fires sparked by lightning on the Big Island over the weekend. They broke out Sunday afternoon at the Pohakuloa training area, just Malka of Highway 190. Strong winds are making containment efforts difficult, and officials tell us about 5% is contained, with 1,500 acres burned. 
Right now, no structures are threatened with no road closures. Three powerful state senators say they are not calling for the resignation of the University of Hawaii president outright. Senators Michelle Kidani, Donovan De La Cruz, and Donna Mercado Kim issued a statement yesterday regarding David Lasner. They said their criticism, quote, stems from our interactions with him and feedback that we have received from students, faculty, parents, former regents, and members of the university community who feel that a change in leadership may be necessary. This was released after a Star Advertiser headline that said the senators had called for Lassner's resignation. Anytime you have something on the front page of the Sunday paper, which is the most widely circulated and commonly read, um, particularly on the front page, above the fold, this is what everybody's going to see as they're going through grocery store lines of the checkout this is what you see. So this is a very big deal. Hidani, Dela Cruz, and Mercado Kim say they believe the final decision on Lastner should stay with the Board of Regents. The topic may come up when they meet again on March 2nd. In a statement, Lastner acknowledged the criticism and said in part, quote, I welcome ideas on how we can do even better, ideally together for this great university and the people of Hawaii we are all charged to serve. One of Hawaii's most prolific television producers and directors, Phil Arnone, has died at the age of 86. He was behind hundreds of television shows, news programs, and documentaries. Our Mahalani Richardson looks back at his legacy. Phil Arnone directed and produced Checkers and Pogo, known as Hawaii's best live kid show from 1967 to 1982. Oh boy, Mr. Checkers. This dramatic scene of a mama hippo charging at a cameraman who got too close is unforgettable. I was real pleased to be a part of it. It was, uh, it was an exciting time in television, an exciting time for me for all of us on there to learn about doing live television. Arnone also executive produced All in the Ohana and High School Days, which propelled comedian Andy Bumatai to stardom. 52% of the people who were watching television on that night were watching All in the Ohana, and that's the kind of thing Phil Arnone did. What was it like working with him on those specials, and did you know it would be great at the time? <laughs> I had no idea, you know, the importance of it. I had these ideas and said, hey, what if we do this? What if we... Yeah, okay. And he, but when he saw it, he went, I want this. I said, more made up, eh? So I called her, I go, Ma, hooey! Not the green one. Okay, okay, okay. Daddy, can I please be excused? What, honey girl? Disco again. And your homework, what, Paul? Okay, go then. What was it about your combination with Phil Arnone that made you such a great success? Well, Phil had this, you know, uncanny ability to herd cats. If you had to pick one person who was responsible for the, the quality of Hawaii television programming, it would be Phil Arnone. Phil Arnone loved Hawaii. And he brought with that love a high standard of excellence. And he believed the people of Hawaii deserved 
great television. I know Phil is looking down on this interview and, and, and listening to what I just said, and I can almost hear him saying, you know, Andy, that was really good, but could we try it again? You, no prisoners, take no prisoners. What do you mean by that? Well, um, but you're right. I mean, I tried to have a perfect show, but I think every director would wants that. And that was Mahail Lonnie Richardson reporting. In a statement, Arnoni's wife says, we are tremendously proud of Phil's contributions in television, both locally and on the mainland. Many have reached out with stories of him changing their lives with opportunities in television. The Miss Hawaii organization is also mourning the loss of a beloved photographer who specialized in local pageants. Paul Hayashi, known as Uncle Bullet, passed away over the weekend. He is credited to photographing thousands of contestants and title holders over the decades. In an Instagram post, the Miss Hawaii organization wrote, We are so grateful for the joy, love, and beauty he always captured. Rest in love and aloha, Uncle Bullet. Well, as Valentine's Day approaches, the FBI and Federal Trade Commission are warning people to be on the lookout for romance scams. For more on that, we're joined by Mike Valerio. Mike. And Mark, you know, this goes beyond the fake emails, the notorious Nigerian prince emails that we've all become accustomed to and rolling our eyes. The FBI says this involves people who develop fake personalities, want to date from just far away enough, and then, Mark, strike when the time is right. She said she wanted, wanted me to text her, so I started texting her. Broke and heartbroken. So I went to my bank account and said that I was $5,780 in in the debt. New numbers from the Federal Trade Commission show romance scams cost nearly 70,000 consumers $1.3 billion in 2022, a growing concern, romance turning into investment scams. This romance becomes the hook, and then that person that they now feel attached to suggests to them that they might try investing in cryptocurrency, uh, and it's all a scam. They send money and they never get it back. They warn anyone can be a target don't even need to be looking for love. So what are the red flags? A big one would be that they cannot meet you in person. They will have all sorts of excuses not to meet in person. And generally those excuses are built right in from the beginning. They're baked into their identity. The FBI sharing these tips for protecting yourself. Be careful about what you post and make public online. Scammers can use these details to better understand and target you. Research the person's photo and profile to verify their identity and never send money to anyone you have not met in person. Okay, so what to do here if this could be you, if you're somebody who thinks that there might be something weird going on with somebody you've met on an online dating site, I see number three. Gov. That is the place to go. Internet Criminal Complaint Center. It is run by the FBI. The Bureau is asking people to report these fishy potential scams because they say that they are widely underreported, Mark. Yeah, Mike, and th these stories are terrifying and fascinating all at the same time. The fact that people can get so sucked into it and they're so damaging and heartbreaking. Now, it's my understanding the FBI and FTC talk about two types of scams involving uh, Gen X and millennials. What are the differences there? So I, I think it is interesting about these two buckets, right, that we have. The first bucket, people who are 
um, you know, into the older side of the spectrum, women over 50. The FBI is saying that, you know, look, if people have been in really difficult circumstances, such as the death of a husband or a divorce, that criminals can pose as somebody who wants to date from maybe a different state right next door, or, you know, like a different island. So far away enough where they say that distance is in the picture, develop a strong rapport, strong connection, and then say, you know what, let's try investing together. Send me some money and let's test this out. Or I have an emergency. My daughter, who I've shown you pictures of, needs to go to the hospital. But the distance is such that there's never any chance of meeting. For anybody who is millennial and younger, there's often sextortion that comes into the picture when an intense connection is formed. The person says, send me you know, an incriminating photo of you, you know, send me something that, you know, you can trust me. And then the whole situation uh, goes out the window where the person says, okay, I'm demanding all this money. I'm going to send this compromising photo to your entire social media network. So this is still a big problem. It's become worse from the pandemic. The FBI says it's not something that, you know, is just simply you can roll your eyes at. It is affecting thousands and thousands of people here, Mark. Yeah, about that as a follow-up. I mean, what can you tell us about the scope of the damage and just how, you know, lucrative these have become nationwide? Well, we we ran the numbers, and just based on the numbers and the story that you saw there, I know it's kind of difficult to think, okay, 70,000 people and one point. Uh, $1.8 billion affected is the range that the FTC has come up with. So when you break that down, that comes down to about $18,000 per person who is victimized by this. And Mark, I don't know about you, but I don't have $18,000 to lose here yet. I'm not at the point in my life uh, where that's a rounding error for me. So the thing about, you know, as we mentioned uh, in this crosstalk and in the story, is that this is just a sample. This is just a small percentage of the estimate of cases that are reported because so few people know to go to ic3.gov, and they're often embarrassed to report these crimes. They, you know, they say, I thought that this person was the real deal, and he asked me for all this money, and then that was it. So it is embarrassing. It's tough, and it's just a fraction of what the government thinks is going on here. Yeah, and it's terrible that it's unfolding at such a rampant rate. Mike Valerio, thank you so much. Always appreciate your time. Have a great one. Well, starting today, our team is launching First Alert Traffic, and I want to bring in now to the h and Digital Center our PM Traffic reporter, Jonathan Masaki. Aloha, Jonathan. How are you? Aloha. Hey, welcome, or rather, thank you for having me here. I yeah, think of course. It's such a, I'm stoked to be here, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, of course. So tell us about First Alert Traffic. We have seen First Alert, our weather models, and the approach there, but what does that mean for traffic? You know, the goal here is to give you that first take as to what you what you can expect with uh, your commute, whether you're heading from downtown to Hawaii Kai, if you're going to Eva, to Wa'anae, to the central part of the island, as well as on the neighbor islands as well. We want to really give you a good glimpse for the first take, I guess, as you get into the roadways after you Pahana. So we're going to really focus on first alert traffic to give you the best timely information to kind of mimic what uh, Lacey is doing in the morning. She's such a wonderful coach that she spent time with me, but we really want to give everyone, the viewers and the motorists, a really good idea of what you can expect when you get on the roads. Yeah, everyone loves Lacey in the morning. Um, I want to ask you, how does what you plan on doing in the evenings differ or is it similar to the morning traffic reports? You know, some of it is going to be very similar. I think the key 
arter arteries coming in and out of town are going to be impacted the same way as it is in the morning, but in a reverse direction. So we're going to really try to highlight what's going on. For instance, a few years ago, you know, when the zipper mobile broke down, it was like, what, Carmageddon, I'm told? Yes. Um, so, we, you know, if something like that happens, we want to be there to let you know so you can maybe pack up late lunch as you get on the road. I'm joking. But, you know, you want to really anticipate. I know traffic in Honolulu certainly has has gotten a little bit more thick, you know, since I've left from 20 years ago, but uh, to be there to let you know as you head home what to expect. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned you left the islands briefly. Let's talk about your background for a little bit. You worked in television here in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that like? You know, back when I got into TV in the 90s, uh, maybe you weren't even born yet, but it was um, a good frontier to begin news. I mean, the 24-hour news operations were just kind of kicking in to really see, you know, Fox News Channel had just kicked in. CNN already was operating. MSNBC was operating. So when I was brought into the KGB 9 newsroom, it was uh, kind of the advent of more and more news. So that thirst or that hunger to do more news uh, took me to the mainland, to uh, Sacramento, where I was doing news every morning from about 5 in the morning to about 10 o'clock. It was a really long morning show, similar to what we see at sunrise. And then having that exposure to do really big stories with what was happening. You know, the energy crisis was full swing in California at the time. Um, I covered some big trials with the Scott Peterson case, uh, the Yosemite murders, as well as um, Governor Gray Davis being recalled. And then, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger being elected governor of California. So it was a pretty, pretty intense time. I, I learned a lot. Um, really miss the islands, the island flavor and just being able to speak pigeon and hanging out and having really good local food was was always something I missed. And especially the Aloha spirit and to be with the people of the islands. We also have an exciting announcement to make. This week, more of Hawaii News Now's coverage is expanding to K5. Starting this week, a number of our newscasts will be simulcast on K5 in addition to their regular homes. That includes Sunrise Monday through Friday. This is now first at 4, Hawaii News Now at 10, and our 5 and 10 p.m. newscasts on Saturday and Sunday. We want to give you guys a live look outside. There are some heavy showers moving over Oahu. This is a look at Punch Bowl. For more on the weather, let's turn it over to our guy, Hagi. We got wet weather on the way. Here are your first alert weather headlines. Showery trading weather. We're talking for the entire week, but we could see some heavy rainfall, which could lead to flooding today and again on Friday. So heads up on that. There's a winter weather advisory for uh, Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa. They're going to get about two inches of snow up there, as well as freezing temperatures and a high surf advisory for East Shores. So another big juicy disturbance. You can see it there. It's going to be lingering in our neighborhood for the week going to be coming and going from time to time. This morning, Hawaii Island seeing the most rain up and down the Hamakua coast. Driving along there might be a little bit treacherous, so heads up. Now, for the rest of us, we'll have breezy trades with some passing showers favoring windward sides. Again, the heaviest rainfall coming uh, this afternoon for Hawaii Island and then again uh, on Friday for the rest of the state. <music> Welcome to Super Bowl Monday, day after Super Bowl Sunday, a day where many are thinking oh, this should be a national holiday, you know, a recovery day, if you will. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we saw just a remarkable game, uh, a matchup that was supposed to be exciting, and it certainly delivered two high-powered offenses. You know, so much talk going into this game was about how great Philadelphia was on paper, but the X factor was always going to be Patrick Mahomes, and he delivered. What a performance down the stretch. 
uh, second half really came through. All on one leg. Someone questioned whether he really was injured. Uh, but the Chiefs' second title in four years. Patrick Mahomes, two-time Super Bowl MVP now. One of the all-time greats. And now we just wait for the next NFL season. Yes, and Mark, you know what my personal favorite was? The real headline was Miss Rihanna over there taking it out with the halftime show. Now, there were some mixed reviews on Rihanna's performance. What did you think about it, Mark? I thought she was magnificent. I thought so, too. I think this is a time where we see so many halftime shows where the artists try to do so much, bring on so many people. She owned it throughout. Yeah, I even opened this up to my Instagram followers here. I wanted to see what people were thinking. As you can see, 79% of the people that voted said she killed it. But, of course, there were some people who said, ah, it could have been better. Me, personally, I was hoping to see an outfit change, but I still think she looked amazing. And, of course, the pregnancy announcement. Yes. This was her platform to announce this pregnancy. So we're all so happy about that. But, Mark, any other final thoughts on the game? Uh, oh, just a terrific game. And a subtle pregnancy announcement from Rihanna. I didn't even <laughs> know till this morning when I was scrolling on Twitter. <laughs> yes, thanks, everyone, for watching. Have a great day. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground. And Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha.